If I can turn you back to Mark chapter 6, we've entitled the message tonight, A Troubled Conscience. Let's just unite our heart together in a word of prayer as we come to the preaching of God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee again for Thy presence. We bless the Lord for every family represented tonight. Thank Thee for the tithes and offerings that have been gathered in today. We've often prayed that we might be good stewards of the Lord's money. Lord, we do praise Thee for meeting the need of this congregation these 40 years. Lord, we can say we're in want of no good thing. But, oh God, we pray that, Lord, that Thou might give us that vision as we go forward, that we might take new ground for God. We do ask that Thou might bless as we come to Thy Word just now in this passage. Bring us, Lord, as it were, into this very setting. Give us understanding tonight. Pray that Thy Spirit would brood over this congregation. I might, Lord, apply the word as it is needed to each and every heart. I pray thou would fill us with thy spirit and with power. Give me words that must and shall prevail. Give us those prevailing words, we pray. We ask in our Savior's name. Amen. There's a little thing that we only sometimes ever hear mentioned. That is our conscience. It is something that is very difficult to define. It is certainly not something that the doctor could remove by some surgery. But it is that voice within each of us that is troubled when we do wrong. And even the boys and girls will know what I mean. It's troubled. It rises up against us when we do wrong and we sin against knowledge. Your mother and father ask you to do something and you don't do it. There's a wee thing within you boys and girls that's called a conscience. And what is true of the boys and girls is true of adults as well. It is that witness within us of either a life lived in sin or a life lived unto God and void of offense toward God and men. But you know what is something that is also unreliable? For a while in the Scriptures, we do see it spoken of as a good conscience. There's also that which is not good. And if I could maybe uh, remind you of what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and the verse 1 and 2, it says this, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, he's particularly mentioning the latter days, the days at the end of the age, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So there's such a thing as a good conscience, but there's also such a thing as a bad conscience, a conscience that is seared, because we know that this heart It's deceitful, and the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And when we come into this passage that we've read tonight, we are confronted with the conscience of Herod the king. His conscience is awakened. 
He had put John the Baptist to death some time before. But now what was being noised abroad was about the good works that the Savior was doing. And hearing of these things, hearing of the fame of the Lord, Herod believed it was John the Baptist whom he had beheaded. He believed that John the Baptist had rose again from the dead. Others, others said it was Elias. Some others said it was a prophet or as one of the prophets. But no one could change Herod's mind. He was convinced it was John the Baptist whom he put to death. And what follows here is an account of what led to the death of the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And especially of that fateful night in which for the satisfying of his lustful spirit he was to promise up to half of the kingdom. There was a daughter of Herodias came in and each should dance before him. And there was great pleasure we could uh, imply. There was great drink flowing. And he promised up to half of his kingdom. But that which was sought for was the head of the preacher. No wonder then his conscience was troubled. His hands were dripping with innocent blood, with the blood of the man of God, a man who preached the truth to his soul, a preacher who left Herod in no doubt over his sin and over his need of repentance. And so as I bring you to my text of Scripture tonight, I want to show you a troubled conscience. As you find it in the words of verse 20, for, John, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and unholy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. I want you to note there his recognition. Herod had been confronted with the preaching of John the Baptist. It seems that this man of God he had met beforehand, he had met oftentimes the forerunner of Christ, and he had been in his company on many occasions. And like Stephen, and like the Apostle Paul, and the other characters that we read of the Apostles, he wasn't afraid to tell the message as it was, no matter who stood before him as his congregation. To the people of Judah and Jerusalem, he was to preach the need for them for repentance and remission of sins. When he was baptizing and he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming out, he called them a generation of vapors. John the Baptist was no modernist. He was afraid to preach against sin. And that is abundantly clear again in this very passage which speaks of the time when he's now standing before King Herod and he was to preach unto him. He told him straight that he was an adulterer. You look at the words which Herod recalls after John's death. Verse 18. For John had said unto Herod. You see, he's recalling this. His conscience is awakened. He had put him to death some time prior. And he recalls John standing and saying unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. John understood the sin that Herod reveled in. And seeing the sin and the immorality being openly paraded in the palace, he preached before the face of the king that he was an adulterer. He had taken his, brother, his brother's wife to himself. What was the effect of such preaching? Herodias, after hearing his preaching, she, by implication, was sitting beside the king, was to have a quarrel against him. Verse 19, Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him. 
but you could not. It's interesting if you have a margin in your Bible uh, what that word grudge or what that word against them mean. It means literally an inward grudge. That's the effect that it had upon Herodias. She had an inward grudge against the preacher from that day on. And no doubt Herodias was also to vent her anger against the man of God. Oh, I want to say to you, this is more than just a raised voice for a minute or two. Maybe some of the ladies have to raise their voice in the house a time or two, others against the children, or better say against the husband as well. But this is more than just a raised voice. She had an inward grudge, and you know what that means. And her anger was vented against this preacher who dared tell her that she was an adulteress. She was furious. That's the sense of the word that is used. We would say today she had it in for him from that day forward. Her fury was never to let up against the man because of how he had exposed her sin, how he had spoke against their immoral relationship, and that rage and that anger waited for an opportunity whereby she could get her revenge by his death. If Herodias had anything to do, uh, do about it, he would be dead sooner rather than later. But you couldn't do it because Herod was to prevent it. He imprisoned him. The king had listened to John the Baptist's strong preaching. He recognized that he was a man of God. Even though John held the mirror of God's word before him, which showed him that he was a sinner, he had felt the sharpness of the old two-edged sword, yet Herod was to realize John was a preacher of righteousness. Indeed, the verse states that he knew he was a just and unholy man. In other words, he saw in John a righteous soul. He's justified before God. He's a man who displayed a saintly character. He's one who was dead to sin but alive unto God. He's a man who was speaking the truth uh, to his own soul. And because of that, Herod then sought that he would hear him on other occasions. And for that reason, Herod was to, we read in verse 20, observe him. Do you know what that really means? The sense is he was to keep him from the evil plots of Herodias. In other words, he was to preserve him. He preserved his life, threw him in jail, save his place for him, maybe against the anger of Herodias. We could say that Herod was to show a certain amount of reverence and respect toward the preacher. He held him in the highest esteem, even though he was the object of a strong preaching. He was brought to recognize he was a vile sinner, a sinner who needed Christ as a Savior. Ah, he even feared him. Knowing that he was God's man who preached down sin and preached up the need for repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, John's whole business was to preach Christ. He said, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. John chapter 3. He didn't speak of himself. He's a forerunner and he preached Christ. And he preached him before this king Herod. Can I say, dear unsaved loved one in this meeting house tonight, it is very possible 
very possible for you to love to come to this place where the gospel is preached in its fullness. It's very possible for you to have respect and reverence for the house of the Lord. It's very possible that you might have respect for God's word tonight that is being preached. Can I even go further? It's very possible you have the greatest respect for the preacher. I have to say that. It's even possible for you to be engaged in helping God's people and yet you yourself are still not a child of God. You're yet in your sin. You could do all these things and yet be a sinner in the depths of your sin on the way to a Christless eternity. It may be even that the preacher on occasions unknowingly to himself has exposed your sin, has put his finger on your sin, And as God's word was preached to your heart, it has shone into the deepest recesses of your soul and you've been brought to recognize that you are a vile, guilty sinner before a just and a holy God. But my friend, what you need to recognize tonight is that salvation is not by works. It's not found in being respectful and merely being in the house of the Lord on a regular basis. But it is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one whom John the Baptist was faithful to preach up and to point the people to. And we know of course Romans tells us and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Would to God that your conscience would be troubled tonight because of sin and that you would recognize that one day you'll have to stand before the Lord. This same Christ of whom we preach. Because God reveals he's the judge of all the earth. And a sentence to you in that great day will either be eternal life or eternal dying. Have you this recognition? Herod had a recognition. Herod also had a responsibility. I look at my text and we must conclude that Herod went further than some today do under the preaching of the gospel. For here's a man who was willingly to hear the word of God preached unto his soul. Even though it was sharp. Even though the preacher didn't miss his target. But he was also a man who as a result of the powerful word of God preached was one, look at it in our text, he did many things. He did many things. It's no small matter that Herod even allowed and permitted John the Baptist to come before him. Here's the king. We know John the Baptist's appearance was not one that would have been conducive to the the courtyards of the palace. He wasn't arrayed in the finery. He was one who wore the camel's hair and the girdle of the skin around his loins. He wasn't adorned in the best of robes. He wore the rough garments of the servant of the Lord. But nevertheless, Herod the king was to hear him. 
But he did more than that. He not only heard him, but the verse implies in the same sense, in some sense, he was to obey what he had heard preached. I wonder, could it be said of you tonight under the sound of the gospel? I wonder, uh, I want you to understand that you have a responsibility as you sit under the gospel this evening. It is incumbent upon you not only to be a hearer, but also to be a doer. And as so as the Lord would say to your soul, repent and believe the gospel that your sins may be blotted out. I wonder, have you taken heed to his word? I wonder, as the word states to you, sinner, that you are to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. I wonder, have you acted upon what you've heard? Have you experienced the salvation of your soul? Have you received the word with profit? You see, also we're told that Herod heard John the Baptist gladly. I tell you again that Herod, even though he is a wicked man, he had gone further than many do today. Many do not gladly hear the preacher of righteousness. They would rather stay away from the house of the Lord. They'd rather engage themselves in the things that satisfy the flesh and feed their senses and to have their souls fed and have the word of God which is of eternal value. Hence the reason why many tonight are attracted by contemporary worship. They don't want the word preached. They want the flesh satisfied. Of course, we know that this has been the case for all time. The Word of God reminds us that the message of the gospel, the good seed of the Word of God, is differently received. You've only got to consider, if you turn over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, the parable of the sower and the seed. You come to Luke chapter 8 and you look with me at verse 11. The Lord gives the parable, but he also gives the interpretation of the parable. Now the parable is this, verse 11, the seed is the word of God. That's what the seed is in this parable. That's what it represents. We're coming up to that time of the year again when the plow will go in. The ground will be tilled and turned over ready for the seed. And the Lord gives four types of soils here. Those by the wayside, verse 12, are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They and the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe and in a time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. There's three types of soils. The wayside, the rocky, stony ground, the thorny ground, 
Verse 15, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Four different types of ground representing four different types of hearts of men and women that hear the good seed of the gospel that have it sown to them. But only one type represents the heart that receives the word and brings forth fruit unto God's glory. What type of soil does your heart represent tonight? The point that I want to get across is that the sinner's responsibility concerning the word of God, it doesn't end with just hearing it. It's not enough merely to hear the word of God preached. Many have sat for years and end hearing the gospel, but tonight they're the worse off, for that's all that they have done. They haven't acted by faith upon hearing it, listening to words whereby their soul might be saved. It's a privilege. But with the privilege, men and women, comes the responsibility to receive the word into the heart and soul. Not enough to see to many things. Not enough to put many things right in your life. Herod did that. Yet his conscience is disturbed. He reformed in many ways. But listen to me. Reformation is not regeneration. It's a different thing altogether. It's not enough to hear about the Lord of glory who can save you from your sins. You must personally repent of your sin and take him as your own and personal saviour. Or dear loved one, learn tonight from Herod that you can go a long way toward grace and glory and yet fall short of it and perish for all eternity. I know I often wonder how much hotter will the fires of hell be for those that heard the word of the gospel, that they were left in no doubt over their need of God's salvation. They were left without excuse. They knew and understood their need of Christ and God's redemption in the power through the power of the blood, yet they rejected him. See, that was what the Savior taught would be the case with the cities that had witnessed his preaching and the mighty works. It's even touched upon even in the very chapter we have read tonight. He said to his disciples uh, to go to those cities, to shake off the dust of their feet for those that would not hear them. Verily I say unto you, verse 11, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Sodom and Gomorrah hadn't the opportunity. You consider Matthew chapter 11 where the Savior brings it out again. In the words of verse 20, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Corazon, were unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon the day of judgment and for you. And thou, Capernaum, Capernaum, thou art exalted unto heaven. Capernaum was where the Savior's earthly ministry was based. They had known the very prince of preachers, the Son of God. They had seen his miracles and heard his preaching. They were exalted to heaven. And he says, I shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. 
Those are solemn verses. Dear loved one, you have to give account of how you received the word of the gospel that was preached to your heart. You'll not have to give an account for the one beside you. God forbid that it would be said that you perished, leaving this world with no testimony of God's saving grace, and you did so from sitting under the gospel being preached to your soul week after week. And God's Spirit striving with you and convicting you of your sin. Yet you rejected Him. I pray if you'd hear God's Spirit striving with you tonight in the call of the gospel, and you would recognize your responsibility. You'd come now just as you are and be saved. Herod had a responsibility. But you know, I want you to see Herod's rejection. He's a privileged man. In that he heard words whereby he might be saved. But the sad thing is, like Agrippa and Felix of old in the Scriptures, the Word of God is silent on them actually turning from their sin and receiving Christ as Lord. Herod heard of his need. He had his sin exposed, but he rejected the message of grace to his soul. The verse reveals to us that he did many things. Many things after hearing John preach, but he did not do the most important thing, and that was to repent of his sin and be converted. Most important thing was to see to the need of his spiritual standing at the expense of the physical. But sadly, the next verse indicates details for us. He was more interested in feeding the flesh. Verse 21, when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, chief estates of Galilee. He was more interested in having a birthday party than seeing to his soul's salvation. Herod, you see, held on to his sin. He held on to his adulterous relationship with Herodias. He would not give up his sin and his soul was hardened. His rejection of the message was to bring him to that never forgotten night when he was to order the death of the preacher. Oh, the Scriptures reveal to us that he was exceeding sorry that such a request was ever to be made to him for the head of John the Baptist. You'll have it in verse 26. He had offered up the half of his kingdom. And the daughter didn't know what to ask for and she went to her mother. And the king was exceeding sorry yet for his oath's sake. For the sakes which sat with him. He is just concerned what the old cronies would say. What the old lords would say about Galilee. He didn't want his reputation damaged. And for those reasons, he would not reject her. You see, he cared for the man of God. 
But he cared more for his reputation. He cared more for the oath uh, that he had made to Herodias' daughter. I wonder what do you care the most for tonight? Is it the welfare of your soul eternally? Or is it for some earthly sin? Is it for some earthly companions that may be burned up in the flames of hell? And that for all eternity. And you're freed tonight of what they would say if you went and told them you got saved. Rejecting the word that John preached. He rejected God's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand, men and women, when you reject the only message of hope for your soul, you're not rejecting the preacher. You're not rejecting a mere denomination or a church. You are saying no to God's dear Son. You're saying no to His wondrous offer of salvation purchased at the very highest price upon Mount Calvary. Heard, heard Christ preached. But he rejected him as Savior. What about you? Are you any different? You might have a different home tonight than Herod had. You might have the servants around you, but strip it all away. Are you any different than Herod? And how he dealt with the word of God and God's salvation. You see, by rejecting the word, he rejected heaven and he went to a lost eternity in hell. I trust you see what folly there is in permitting some sin to keep you back from getting right with God. The Savior was to teach the same. If I can bring you to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29. He says... And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Eternity is more important than time. And the Lord's not talking literally, of course, you would know that. But put that sin from you if it's through the eye gate or if it's through the hand, put it from you. Better that that would perish than your whole body would perish in a lost eternity. Better to have done with sin or any other than to burn with them in the flames of eternal hell. Herod rejected the message of the preacher, and with it, he rejected the only Savior that could save his soul. And men and women, the day came when Herod was to stand before not John the Baptist, but he stood before the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Preachers. Judas had betrayed the Savior. The Lord was on his way to Calvary to lay down his life for the sins of his people, you know, Pilate and due process was to send him to appear before Pilate to be questioned. He wanted him to deal with it. He was under his jurisdiction. And Herod had desired to see him. 
I want you to see this. Luke chapter 9, and the words of verse 9, I'll just read the verse. Herod said, it's the very same passage that we're dealing with in Mark chapter 6, where they'd heard of the, the, the works of the Savior. And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. Herod had a desire to see this Christ. He had heard of many things that he had done. Not least he had heard of him through the lips of John the Baptist. And men and women that day came when he did see him. You'll find it in Luke chapter 23. In the words of verse 8. And it says, When Herod saw Jesus, He's a wicked adulterer. He had heard the preaching of the forerunner John the Baptist. He had heard him gladly. He had done many things. He wanted to see Jesus. And he now sees him. He's standing before him. When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. For he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. There it is again emphasized. Then he questioned with him in many words. But he answered him nothing. You see the difference this time? His conscience wasn't troubled. He didn't do many things. He didn't hear him gladly. Let's look at verse 11. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. This was the day when Herod counted the Savior as nothing. It says he set him at naught. Just counted him as nothing. And he mocked him. But men and women, this was the day when Herod didn't reject Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ who rejected him. For the end of verse 9 says, But he, that is Christ, answered him nothing. Nothing. He had nothing to say to the one who had rejected the preaching of his servant, John the Baptist. His day of opportunity was gone. It's gone. He answered him nothing. The day is yet to come when Herod will stand before Christ as judge. He will then hear that final and that eternal rejection. For Christ in that day will not say nothing. 
But he will say to Herod, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. But what about you, sinner? It's too late for Herod. It's not too late for you. What are you going to do with Christ tonight as he has preached again to your soul? What are you going to do with this, your day of gospel opportunity? Listen to the words of the little chorus. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? I earnestly pray that you no longer reject God's offer of mercy. And the Christ of God who died on that cross that you might have eternal life. But this might be the night you'll look away by faith to him. And you'll accept what he has done for a sinner like you and be saved. And then, I'll tell you this, your conscience will no longer be troubled. And it'll no longer be disturbed. And those nights you can't sleep and you can't work right through the day. I'll be gone. But instead your conscience and your soul will be at peace with God. Only Christ can give you that. I wonder will you come? God help you to do so. As you remember old Herod his troubled conscience. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts tonight. I sing just 233, a couple of the verses here in closing. 233, once again, the gospel message from the Savior you have heard. Will you heed the invitation? Will you turn and seek the Lord? Verse 1, 2, and 5. We'll stand as we sing it. 1, 2, and 5 of 233.
Lord, we thank thee for thy word, the solemnity of it, the conscience of Herod being arisen and troubled. He had heard John many times. He had heard him gladly. He had done many things. Yet he never accepted the only Savior. We can picture him standing before the one whom he desired to see. And he answered him nothing. The day of grace was gone. Oh God forbid that that should be the case for some soul in this meeting tonight. I pray Lord that I would speak with that still small voice. Thank you Lord thy spirit convicts of sin. And shows the sinner their need of God's salvation. I pray, Lord, that I would do thy work this evening. Even, Lord, even when the preacher's voice is silent, I would speak on. Bring those loved ones to Christ. Hear answer prayer, part us with thy blessing now. For we ask these things in our Savior's name. For thine eternal glory. Amen.